greetings, beloved, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We are in church. Amen. Amen. I'm very much excited at what God is doing among us, even in the days that we are living in. And most of the time you would find that we read things in the Bible. We read things and see how God used Jesus, how God used Paul, how God used Peter, James, John, all of them. And sometimes we wish we could have such a, a taste of such. But I just want to encourage you and tell you that Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So it means whatever he did in times past, he can do also during our days. He just wants people of faith. He just wants people who are different from the world. Because for you to be able to make a difference, you must be different. Amen. Tell your neighbor, for you to make a difference, you have to be different. Amen. So today I want to share with you about dare to be different. Amen. Dare to be different. It's very easy to conform to the norm. It's very easy to just flow with the flow. But it's difficult to stand for God and for what you believe. Because all the things, the people that we refer to sometimes is people who stood on what God has said and they made a difference. And today we can talk about what, how God used them because they stood and made a difference. So I will take some few characters for you from the Bible just to encourage you that these people were different and they made a difference. And even in the time that we're living in, we want people who are different, people who would not just be counted as part of the crowd. Amen? Amen. You think of Moses. The Bible talks about so many Israelites who left the land of Egypt to the promised land, but it only mentions few. Those who have made a difference. Amen? It doesn't mean some of us are less important than others. It just means others are not making a difference. And if you don't make a difference, you will not be noticed. You will not leave a legacy. Amen? And I believe each one of us can make a difference. Because we are each created uniquely. You are the only you in the whole world. Tell your neighbor, I'm the only me in this world. Yeah, you will never find another me somewhere else. That's me. Original. Amen? So therefore, there has to be something that God has placed me here on earth for. Something that only me can do in this world. Tell your neighbor, therefore, that's why God has placed me in this world. There is something that only me can do in this world. And I'm going to make a difference. Amen. I'm excited. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 17. I wonder, today we're going to look at several characters, Paul, David, Daniel, Joshua, and Caleb. 
just to get encouraged and say that some of the people who really trusted God and stood with God, they made a difference in this world. Sometimes it's very easy for us to keep on referring to if Paul was here now, things would be different. Maybe even this corona thing would have already been sorted if Jesus was here. But we are here. So it means in essence we need to start saying, Lord, you have placed us for such a time as this and we are going to make a difference. Now listen to this. Uh, I will read verse 1 to verse 5. And then Mr. MJ, I want you to read verse 6 because that's where I want to, I want to emphasize. Acts 17, 1 to 6 in total. New King James Version. But I'll do 1 to 5 and leave Mr. MJ with verse 6, which is what I want you to understand this. So now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. Some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few of leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and, brought, and sought to bring them out to the people. Verse 6. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Hey, <laughs> these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Amen. <laughs> these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Imagine if people have to talk about you like that. These who have turned the world upside down are among us now. Now you would find that in the days we're living in, the world doesn't see a difference because we are not different. Amen? The world needs to see a difference when we are different so that they can say these who have turned the world upside down are here too. And let's turn the world upside down. Amen. Amen. When the world is used to a certain way of doing things and a certain way of thinking and being limited to their natural means, we need to come with an almighty God and demonstrate what God can do here on the earth so that all the people of the earth will know that there is a God among us. Amen. Amen. So that it will no longer be an issue of this religion and that religion and that religion and that religion. So that people will know that there is only one real God. And he's alive among us. These who have turned the world upside down have come among us. So I would say to you, wherever Paul went, he made a difference. Things changed. Amen. You could not ignore him. Amen. You could not ignore him. So go with me to the book of Acts chapter 14. 
from verse 8 to verse 15 in New King James Version. We're looking at this Paul. So I'm taking this as the second portion of scripture, talking about Paul, and then we'll continue with other characters. But I want to see you to see, it says, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too among us. And we cannot always be calling on Paul in this time. We are here. Amen. And we are the church of God in the last days. So when the Lord Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, he's coming back for people like you and I. And we need to walk and move in his glory. Acts 14, 8 to 15, New King James Version. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. You see things that change things? Faith. So Paul observed this man and he saw that this man had faith to be healed. He said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. So I want you to think of this man. This man was, could never walk from his birth. He was crippled. And usually you would find in the days we're living in, we take it that that's your lot in life. You will remain like that until you die. That's how we view things. But here, we are hearing this man was crippled. He couldn't walk from his womb, from the, his mother's womb. But when he had Paul preaching, he had faith that my situation can change. And Paul perceived that he had faith. And he said in a loud voice, so Paul was not whispering about this. I like it when he said it in a loud voice. <laughs> Do you know that most of us can exercise faith in secret? Mm, just in case it doesn't work. Then I don't get embarrassed. Huh? You want at least a secure place where I can say something. So if it works, then I'll say it was me who declared that thing. But we didn't hear you. You remember even Jesus when he spoke to the fig tree? It says, and his disciples had him. So he had put his faith on the line. Okay? So now Paul says with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he lived and walked. Now when the people saw you see, people will see. People are observing. People are watching. People want to see people who make a difference. When the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of man. Did you hear what people say? They see this thing that show such being done among men. The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Who are they referring to? <laughs> Paul, isn't it? And whoever he was with. Paul and Barnabas. So they realized, no, these guys, sure, the gods have come down among us. Now they even wanted to start worshipping them. Look. And, ba uh, <coughs> and Barnabas, they called Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. 
So they named them after their gods. They thought they had two gods, Zeus and Hermes. So when they saw Paul and Barnabas doing that, they thought, oh, our gods have come among us now. Because they were turning the world upside down. Our gods have come among us now. So they named Barnabas Zeus and Paul, they named him Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and gallons to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. They were excited. But sure, the gods are among us. <laughs> mm -hmm. Are you seeing that? Mm. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitudes, crying out and saying, Man, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you. And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. You see that? So even though they were mere human, people thought they were gods. People saw something different among, in them. People could see that these are different from us. Can they see that we are different from them? Can they see? Or we just have to defend and say, no, actually, Christianity is the only right religion in the world. You see, Christianity is relationship with Jesus. Let people see. Let people see. Jesus, when the, 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 the Pharisees were arguing with him and always arguing and not believing him, in John, he says, if you don't believe me, he said, if I don't do the works of the Father, don't believe me. But if you don't believe me for what I say, believe me for the works that are done among you. You cannot deny that God is among you. Amen. So dare to be different. The problem with some of us, even before we talk about God using you mightily for his glory, you are living like people of the world. People can't see a difference. You go to wherever everybody of the world goes. You speak like people of the world. You are not different from them. I'm saying dare to be different. Amen? Because people who live for God genuinely and being devoted to God, they will seem to be different. They will be seen to be different. Go with me to the book of Esther. Chapter 3, verse 8. In the message translation. Because when we are different, let people also acknowledge that we don't fit in with them. Even people, they sh sometimes people should feel uncomfortable to speak swear words when you are there. Mm. I make it very difficult for people, even at my work. They, they would say something and say, oh, forgive me for, fr for the French. I didn't know that swear word is French. <laughs> so it's like, they say this and then realize, this one is here. Sorry, 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 sorry forgive me. Amen. Let people see that you don't fit in with them. Hmm? That you are the light. You are different. Listen to this. Esther 3.8, the message translation. Haman then spoke with King Xerxes. There is an odd set of people scattered throughout the provinces of your kingdom 
who don't fit in. I like that. So in other words, they were able to see that these guys are different from us. They don't fit in. So for the rest of us, university students, do you think your colleagues think you don't fit in? Or they see that you gel, you blend well with whatever they do. Let them say, these are odd set of people. They don't fit in with us. They are different. Their customs and ways are different from those of everybody else. Whereas they disregard the king's laws, they are an affront. The king should not put up with them. But I'm more interested in they don't fit with us. Their customs and their ways are different from those of everybody else. So, I will be different. Standing for my God. Can we say, I will be different? Standing for my God. Amen. You know that it's very, it's when, when you don't stand for God and you just do things, you flow with the flow, you do things the, world, the way of the world, everybody would accept you because that's how things are done. The moment you start standing, then they will start noticing you, but they will also oppose you. Do you know that if people ask you, how are you? And you say, hey, life is tough. Hey, sh- things are difficult. People are excited about that. They, no problem. Because everybody, but when they say, how are you? And you say, I'm blessed and highly favored. You start looking. In which world are you living now? I'm just different. I'm just different. Amen? I may be in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm just different. Look at Daniel, chapter 1, verse 8. In the New American Standard Bible, N-A-S-B, Daniel 1, 8. See, because some of these things, <clears throat> I'm even talking more about with you youth, that be different. Be different. Because usually we talk about peer pressure, especially among youth, isn't it? So be different and let your, let your pressure put them under pressure. Amen. They should feel uncomfortable in your presence. Amen. Because you are shining that light. Daniel 1.8 NASB, New American Standard Bible says, then Daniel, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. I want that first part. Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself. Can you make up your mind? And you say, I've made up my mind that peer pressure will not influence me in a negative way. I've made up my mind that I will not defile this body. This body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I've made up my mind. Amen. Daniel made up his mind. If you don't make up your mind, you will easily be swayed. People will take you for a ride. Okay? They won't even notice that you are different from them. But if you made up your mind, they try to 
entice you and tell you, no, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, you, we just do this. You know, uh, actually the Bible doesn't even say you mustn't be drunk. You see, it only that you, you, you mustn't drink. It only says you mustn't be drunk. You see, so you can, I have made up my mind. This is what he did. He said, he has made up his mind that even that wine, he was not going to drink it. Did you see that? He made up his mind that I'm not going to defile myself with the king's food. I have made up my mind. The good thing with making up your mind is that you're not making up somebody's mind. You're making up your mind. So people mustn't fight with you about making up your mind. Amen? You don't need people's concession to make up your mind. You make up your mind and you stick with it. And you dare to be different. And you do not allow the world to mold you into its pattern. There is a certain way that the world does things and we should not be conformed to it. Romans 12.2 TLB Romans 12.2 TLB Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. You heard uh, Haman saying these people, their behavior and customs are different. You heard that in Esther. So here now it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But be a new and different person. With a fresh newness in all you do and think. Then you will learn what your own experience and how his ways will really satisfy you. I've made up my mind. So it says, don't copy the behavior and the patterns of this world, but be a new and a different person. I'm different. Amen? I'm standing up for my God. I told you that it's very easy to flow with the crowd. But stand for your God. Stand for what God has said and keep at it. Don't allow the world to mold you into its way of doing things. Did you know that in the times we're living in, politicians want us all to be conformed to their political ideologies. They will tell you some things are politically, in, they will say it's po politically what, insensitive or politically incorrect or politically this, because they want us to conform to those standards. They don't talk about is biblically incorrect. They will say it's politically incorrect. You can't say that. You can't do that. It's politically incorrect. Not biblically incorrect. Okay? So it means the politicians are exerting their dominance. Amen? And you would find even things that you know scripturally this is like this. But because it's politically sensitive and politically incorrect, ish, you must think twice just in case I ruffle the feathers. At least the politicians are talking for what they believe. They are making an influence. They are making a difference. And you can't ignore them. Amen? Why can't we be different? Especially when we are standing for our God. Let's go to the book of 
Numbers. Because you're going to see now with Caleb and Joshua. Numbers 23, uh, Numbers 13, 26 to 33. Numbers 13, 26 to 33. New King James Version. I want you to be encouraged that if you stick with God, doesn't matter what people say around you, even what they say about you. In the morning session, Pastor Josephine was preaching about your identity in Christ. Know who you are and stand for it. Don't let other people define who you are. Let God define you. Some of the stress that you are having is because you are trying to fit in with what people feel you should be. But if you know this is what God wants me to be, stand for it. And don't feel down, don't feel oppressed because now people are pushing me to be like this. Sometimes people would even say things about you. If that's their opinion, that's their opinion. It's got nothing to do with you. We remember when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? He knew that people would say things. Okay? Some say you are John the Baptist, some say that. And I think some used to call him the son of the carpenter. You remember? Yeah. But did that change who Jesus was? Even Satan even ended up saying, if you are the son of God, Turn these stones into bread. As if he had anything to prove. Did Jesus turn the stones into bread? He did it. Did it change him from being the son of God? No. It changes nothing. So it means I will not be defined by what the world wants me to be. I'm defined by who God say I am. And I'll stick with it. If you've heard something from God, stick with it. Even if everybody else is deserting God, don't desert God. Even when pressures of life, do you know that sometimes pressures of life come and they want to change you from who you are? You used to be this young person of integrity, a youth of integrity. But because now it seems the years are going and you're not getting married, you start doubting your identity. You start fitting in with the world. Blending in. Dare to be different. And may God find you faithful to who he created you to be. I'd rather lose the whole world and win God. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man to win the whole world and lose his own soul? So it means it's very easy to win the world to adjust to the customs of the world. And you are losing your soul. Numbers 13, 26 to 33. Now, they departed and came back to Moses. It was the, the 12 spies. They went to spy the land. And now they were coming back. They came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. That's what God promised them, isn't it? He said, You are going to a land that flows with 
milk and honey and have given you that land. Shouldn't that have been sufficient to say if indeed this land flows with milk and honey as God told us. It means everything else that he told us will happen. Because now at least we have seen that truly it flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. But now look. Nevertheless the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. What were they trying to do? This is the fruit. It flows with milk and honey. Nevertheless, nevertheless it's like but. Okay? So, but we don't think we can get this. Because the people there are strong. Their cities are fortified and very large. We saw even the descendants of Anak there. The, the Anakims were the, 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 the giants like, like Goliath. He belonged to the tribe. The, he was an Anak, Anakim. So the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of Jordan. Now, they are still talking. <laughs> Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, I want some Caleb's here in church. That when everybody else is talking what they saw, I want Caleb's who talk what they believe. Who talk what God has said. So, he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able to overcome it. So, the land indeed flowed with milk and honey. Nobody disputed that of all the 12 spies. But the other group said, nevertheless, we don't think we'll get this because the people there are strong. They are like giants. They are stronger than us. Their walls are fortified. Now Caleb realizes this is not getting us anywhere. We're not going to get the land talking like this. So he quieted the people, listen to me. Let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able to overcome it. Now listen to the majority, verse 31. But the man who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. The majority have spoken. You know they were 12, isn't it? And then the two are saying we are well able. The 10 and probably the rest of the Israelites think we can't. They are stronger than we. Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. They were making people to be scared, isn't it? If you go to that land, the land will eat you. But then, they were contradicting themselves because why are the people there not eaten? Why are the giants still there? They were supposed to have been finished by now. If that land indeed eats in, eat its inhabitants. Okay? They say, is the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. So they were not eaten yet. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. I like how these words are phrased. 
before they looked at them like grasshoppers, it started with they themselves feeling like grasshoppers. So they say, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. When we looked at ourselves, we thought, sure, we look like grasshoppers. They are giants and we are grasshoppers. If the giant, a giant and a grasshopper have to fight, who do you think will be defeated? They don't even have to fight, isn't it? So they had already stated what is the outcome. Okay? We are like grasshoppers and they are giants. Is that how you see your problem also? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you are afraid of witchcraft and wizards and witches and say, I don't know what wrong have I done to them. They are really looking out for me. They want to bewitch me. They started by bewitching my so and so. For me, personally, I've got a problem with a Christian who gets bewitched. That's just my version. Because if greater is he that's in you, then the one who wants to bewitch you, does he use the power of God? Whose power is that using? Of the devil, isn't it? So therefore, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen? So know who you are and stand your ground and say, I cannot be bewitched. Amen. I told, I think I told some of you. It was around 1986 after I just accepted the Lord and I started understanding the truth of the word. So I told some of you that I used to be very much afraid of that, that lightning, Dazi. Yeah, I don't know what you call it. But the ones that we have, you see the Westerners think it's just light and it's lightning and struck. Africans we know there's something there. Okay? And we used to hear that some of them would even take uh, millimeter. I don't know what did they do with the millimeter. It would be raining and they would make fire. You see, so it means if, if, if Elijah would say I can make fire when there is water, they can do the same. So they would come and make fire and then burn everything. So I I used to be much afraid of it because I thought, you sleep, where can you go? Because you can't run away from that thing. But after I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I started knowing that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, I was no longer afraid of those witchcraft things, the lightnings, the whatever thing. I was so bold and so confident. I remember one time I was saying to my mother, I'm not afraid of Ndazi. It was other don't say it. Don't say it. They will. I said, no, mommy, I'm not afraid of them. And you know what? We, were, we, we used to be told that if you... <clears throat> whether it's witchcraft or whatever, if you are in those areas and now you want to speak, they will take your voice. And now I started realizing I've got a powerful weapon in me, the name of Jesus. So it's just that when I visit those areas these days, those things that used to torment us, they are no longer, maybe they are there, but when I'm there, they don't come. Which means greater is he that's in me 
than he that's in the world. And I know that's what God has made me to be. So listen to this. They said, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes, but also in their eyes. But they were supposed to see themselves the way that God has made them to be. So go with me to Numbers 14, 21 to 24, because in the AMPC, because God had already demonstrated his miracle among them and showed them that he was God. Now, when they were doubting God and starting to speak like this and talk all the negatives and all the things, God was not happy with that. God has already shown you that he is a powerful God. Amen? Listen to this. Numbers 14, 21 to 24. But truly, as I live, and all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all those men who have seen my glory and my miraculous sign which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have tasted and proved me these ten times and have not heeded my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I saw to give their fathers. So he says they will not see that land. They will not enjoy my promises. Nor shall any who provoked me see it. Verse 24. But my servant Caleb because he has do you have it somewhere? My servant Caleb because he has a different spirit. He's different. Because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully I will bring him into the land he went and his descendants shall possess it. Why? Because Caleb says, we are well able to possess. It's the same land that the other ten said we can't. Okay? And then God said, anybody from 20 up, you can't get into that land because you said you won't get there. Only Caleb and Joshua, of those that were over 20, would get into the land. Okay? Because they said we can. And the rest said we can't. So God doesn't have a problem. When you can't, he leaves you not caning. Isn't it? And when you can, he makes you to can. Isn't it? Yeah. Because they said we can't. We are not able. He won't force you to be able. He said they will not enter into that land. They did not believe me. But my servant Caleb... He has a different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land. Can God also speak like that about us? That even among so many people, I know there are many people who don't believe me, but so and so. But so and so. I know I can bank on them. I know they will stand for me. Like he used to talk about Abraham. He said, I know Abraham. I know Abraham, my friend. He's going to teach his children and his, children, his children's children. So, are we going to hide from Abraham the things that we're about to do? It was the time when they wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember? Mm. And Sodom, for the sin that some of you are trying to debate about. So, when he wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he went to Abraham and said, are we going to hide from Abraham the thing that we're going to do. 
knowing that he is faithful and he will lead his nation, his children in the ways of the truth. He said, we can't. I'm in partnership with Abraham. I've got to share with him. So may God also see us when he, his eyes are moving to and fro upon the face of the earth. May he find you and I. Amen? People of faith. People who have a different spirit. So if you have a different spirit, you will also have a different attitude. Amen. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. New King James Version says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Okay? I speak what I believe. I like what Caleb said. Caleb says, 85 years ago, 45 years ago, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent us to spy the land, he was now giving a, a narration himself. He said, the brethren who went up with me came and gave a report that made the hearts of people to melt. But I gave back the report according to what was in my heart. He said, I gave him word according to my conviction. So do you speak according to your conviction or do you speak according to what you see? Speak what you believe. According to your conviction. Have that spirit of faith. That even when things are difficult, you speak what God has said. And change things. Second Corinthians, let's go to chapter 4 verse 8 to 11. TLB now. The same Second Corinthians. Before we come to the spirit of faith, it says this in verse 8 to 11 in the TLB. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 11. We are pressed on every side by troubles. Some of you want to end there. Isn't it? Do you know that some people usually enjoy troubles that they will magnify troubles. Trouble we own are you. <laughs> Trouble we own are you. We magnify you. No, don't do that. Amen. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but I want, so it means this person knew what he believed in. This is what I'm seeing, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. I like this. You can't defeat people like this. He says, we, we get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. So when you see me keeping going, you think I never got troubles. You think I never got knocked down. You think I was never challenged. But you are looking at a soldier who knows the pain. Amen. But he doesn't dwell in the pain. He goes and talks about the victory. Amen. It's like boxers. When you are in boxing, they might hit you and then you even... Have you seen some people winning but they are like this? Hmm? And the person has won. And when they say, and the champion... 
so? He's saying, who cares about this? I'm a champion. Amen. So you also need to be like that. Who cares about this? I'm a champion. Amen. Because they don't say if you are swollen, then you can't be a champion. Do they say that in boxing? No. Even if you get knocked down in a certain round, it doesn't matter. He says, we get knocked down at times, but we get up again and keep going. He says, these bodies of ours are constantly facing death just as Jesus did. It is clear to us that it is only the living Christ within us who keeps us safe. That's my only hope. Yes, we live under constant danger to our lives because we serve the Lord. But this gives us constant opportunities to show forth the power of Jesus Christ within our dying bodies. In other words, he sees when he sees a challenge in his body, something that's threatening him, he says it's an opportunity to show forth the power of the Lord. This fits well with David, isn't it? What was supposed to be a challenge and a problem, David sees it as an opportunity. When other people were afraid of Goliath, he says, what will, be done, what will be done to a person who kills this uncircumcised Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel? In other words, he sees it as an opportunity. So some of the troubles that you have, some of the challenges that you have, actually, all of them, because now I'm quoting James, count it all joy, my dear brethren, when you face various kinds of trials, because the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have a perfect work. So in other words, when I'm going through this, I count it all joy because I know I'm not going to end here. I know this is not the end. The trouble and the test may be big, but the bigger will be the testimony. Amen. So it means when I'm going through this and the world thinks it's over with me, let them wait. Will still find me there. Amen. They will still find me there. Still find me keeping on going. Because even if I get knocked down, I don't quit. So, let's go then to David. If we don't finish it, we'll pick it up the other time. I'll see how we work around this. First Samuel chapter 17. Verse 20 to 26. I think I'll have to try and see how I can summarize this for you to understand the story with David. Okay, I'll read it. So David rose early in the morning, left the ship with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him and came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in a battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the <coughs> supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David had them, and all the men of Israel when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. That's how everybody was feeling like. So the man of Israel said, 
Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give him his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. David had a different spirit. When everybody else was running for cover, David was looking for Goliath. I want to go for him. And they said, no, we give you some weapons, some this. He, said, he tried them and said, eh, this is not fitting for me. Let me use what I know. Okay? And then he says, let no man's heart fail because of him. I'll go and fight with him. And, and when, when they were telling him, you can't, you can't, you can't. You see, there are a lot of people who will always say you can't when you are exercising your faith. They will give you all the reasons why, why it won't work. So even Saul even says to him, you can't face Goliath. Goliath has been a man of war from his youth. You are just a young man. He said, the Lord who delivered me. He said, when I used to, to hunt, when I was taking care of my, the flock, when a lion would come and a bear coming to take one of the sheep, I would chase it. And if it doesn't let go, I would, he said, I would hold it. <laughs> Where is that? Okay, let's go. Verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a bear or a lion came up and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it. And delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beards and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. So in essence, he was, saying, he was referring to a testimony of what God has done for him in the past. Even for you, when you face challenges going forward, think of where God has brought you from. Encourage yourself with some of the things where you were told it won't work. But it worked anyway. So it means the same God who did it then, he can do it again. So he says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of a lion and from the paw of a bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So I'm not sure whether he believed it or not. So go, the Lord be with you. David went, now verse 45 to 51. David now is facing Goliath. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. So actually, you see, we've got only one weapon and it's very good, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. They can have a sword, a spear, a javelin, a that, a that, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And that is the name you should use. Even when you are told that <laughs> Wizards will take away your voice. You must, when you hear things, Jesus! In the name of Jesus! 
Every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Because I know what God can do. So he called on the name of the Lord of hosts. And he says, I will kill you. Even though I don't have a sword, I will kill you. I will cut your head off. And all the people of the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. And verse 47. Then all this assembly will know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear. And then, you know what happened. Then Goliath was saying, am I a dog? That you come to me with this. And he looked at David and he thought, these Israelites must be joking. You bring, at least if they had brought Saul, you know that the Bible says Saul was well built. Probably, Goliath might have thought there is a contest here when he saw Saul. But now they bring David, a 17 year old boy. The Bible says, Goliath looked at him and you see this beautiful young boy. We are not in a beauty contest here. <laughs> we are in a war. And he disdained him. He undermined him. Do you know that the devil sometimes, <laughs> the devil is deceived by looks. Mm. The devil looks at you and thinks, ah, this one I'll finish. He doesn't know what's in here. Hey, let him try. Amen. Great is he. That's in me. So on the outside, I may look like this, but in here, we have this treasure in jars of clay. There's so much power in here. Amen. So, and then, straight. So it seems like Goliath was well armed, isn't it? Protected all over. And David only needed that. He didn't have to hit the whole body or anything. Just that opening. That's all I need. Amen. Amen. Then, at least Goliath fell like a soldier. The Bible says he fell back forward. That's what you must do if you're a soldier. <laughs> he didn't go there. And David went, took his own sword, cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that, they were running away. But this is the very same Goliath. This is, the Israelites now started chasing them. But you know that these are the same Israelites who were afraid and running away. So let people, let people just wait. Those people who are criticizing your faith, they will soon join you. They will soon join you. Amen. Amen. They will definitely soon join you. Because the very same people who are criticized. Now, hey, it's working. Amen. But we need people who are different. And if you are different, you will make a difference. And you will start influencing people around you. And people will start believing what you believe in. So let me wind down. I'll try and summarize this. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3. Verse 13 to 18. Because when I'm telling you about being different, sometimes there is this thing where sometimes you feel worn out as if things are not working. I've been praying, I've been believing God, but things don't seem to be working. And you even come to a point where you say, ah, even, it's the same, even if you serve God, 
things don't always work out. Actually, people who don't serve God, they are the ones where things are going better for them. Haven't you heard some Christians talking like that? God calls that speaking bad to me like that. Go with me. Malachi 3, 13 to 18, NIV. You've spoken arrogantly against me. It's God. He's saying you have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out these requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evil doers prosper. And even those, when they put God to test, they get away with it. God says, if you speak like that, you are speaking arrogantly against me. Because I know how to distinguish between those who fear me and those who don't. Now, if you are going to say, ah, actually the people who don't fear God, they are the ones where things, you see, they are the ones who are blessed, they are the ones who have this. And some of you even say, ah, no, you know, they get them from those powers and all that. So if those powers can give them such, how much more your God for you? Hmm? Mm, let your God be greater. Amen. Then, I like verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. So, those who are speaking arrogantly, saying people of the world, they are doing this and these things do work. God still listens to them. But he also hears us when we fear the Lord and we talk with one another. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored him. On the day when I act, the Lord will surely act. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, the Lord will surely act. People may think he's delaying, but he will surely act. He says, on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them, just as a father had compassion and spare his own son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those who don't. Amen. The Lord will surely act. And when he acts, you are going to see the difference. Amen. So don't ever again say, ah, it's not beneficial to serve God because even people who don't serve God. He says that's speaking arrogantly against me. He wants you to speak with other brethren and say, the Lord is faithful. And he will be keeping that book of remembrance. Let's conclude with Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 to 12. Because I want to say to you, this will also guide us as we're going to give. I want to say to you that you have to be different. Even when you are a tither, you are different. Hmm, you are different. Don't you know that there are people who don't tithe? Mm, and actually majority don't. It means the few. The Caleb's and the Joshua's. And they will possess the land. Amen? They will possess the land. Because this is how it goes. Malachi 3, 8 to 12. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithe and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me even this whole nation. So it was the whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven 
and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now I like verse 12. Because this is when God is distinguishing. You remember he said, when I act, you will be able to differentiate between those who fear me and those who don't. So when you are different, God will surely come through for you. He says, I will open windows of heaven for you. I will rebuke the devourer for you. But I like verse 12 more. And all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightsome land, says the Lord. I want people of the earth to look at me and call me blessed. I call myself blessed first. And I behave like somebody who is blessed. I tithe, I give. But I want it to come to a point where people of the earth will call me blessed. Amen. They will even want to come and serve my God. Amen. So we can end it there. Dare to be different. Amen. Dare to be different. And God will distinguish. If you serve him, it's just a matter of time. God will come through for you. So we are going to give. This we are going to give. I want us to give with this understanding that as we tithe, as we give our offerings, of building fund contribution, the Lord sees. And he will distinguish between those who do and those who don't. Amen. You come through for us. And I want all the nations of the earth to call me blessed when they see that I've got a delightsome land. And by the way, <coughs> people of the earth might have success in one area and another and sometimes fail. Sometimes you find somebody's got a lot of money, but they are not enjoying it. There's no peace among them. They're even killing each other, husband and wife. But they had all the money. That's not a blessing. Because the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he has no sorrow with it. So when you are blessed, you've got a balanced life. In every way, you are successful. Amen? Beloved, I wish above all that it may prosper and be in good health even as your soul is prospering. So you prosper in every way. Because what good is it to have wealth and you are sick? And you are terminally sick or you are yeah, you are about to die or you are in the ICU. If you get somebody in coma and you tell them, you've got five million. Five million. Five million. Do they get excited? They are not looking for millions, they are looking for life. Amen. We are blessed. And let the people of the earth call us blessed when they see that we have a delightsome land. So let's get a song as we bless the Lord with our substance. Amen.